Hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. And I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation and communication. And wow, we have guests that are going to blow us away today. Our Amazing. famous campus pastors, James oh, yeah. and Brittany Powell. <laughs> the best. They are Infamous. the greatest uh, campus pastors in all of universitydom. Oh, yep. Yep. So, crust of all higher ed. Exactly. Oh, come on, coming from the greatest that's, president. That's Let them genuine. Know. That's yeah. for real. Uh, James currently serves as the Executive Director of Spiritual Formation here at Southeastern University, while Brittany serves as the Executive Director of Student Experience. Always an incredible time when we get to hang out with you and talk all kinds of things. I, I, I love it. I love that we get to be on Framework Leadership. I actually think this is our first time on no, the really? Framework yep. Leadership no, yeah. podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a big deal. It's okay. a big deal. And for us, I mean, we kind of feel like this is it. We, we've made it. At this <laughs> we moment, have, we've we made have it. Arrived. Made we have arrived. Right. Well, well, welcome. There's a lot of people that haven't yet. So <laughs> <come> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to start out, James. Uh, this is, I'm kind of going hard to the pain, I guess, here okay. uh, at, at the start. Uh, I want to ask you about a post you made not too long ago okay. on, on Instagram. You shared messages actually from a, a, a group chat where you ask for prayers regarding mental health. Right. Um, how did this group start? And actually, I think it's a great idea. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, from the place that I wanted to share it was kind of the messiness of mental health. I think. <laughs> Some of the misnomers around mental health is that you get healthy and then it's done. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I achieved it. I won. I'm, I'm healthy now. And so for me, um, this has been an ongoing battle in my life through anxiety or depression. And I think what I was feeling a conviction about was re inserting into the conversation that this is an ongoing battle, mm -hmm. that this isn't you just win it once and then it's done. And so what we've tried to do is surround ourselves with a life board, people yeah, that are yeah, in our corner for good. life. And so some of the people in this group chat were friends of ours for the last several years. And in November of this past year, faced one of those seasons where, you know, it wasn't anything going on in life, but it's one of these moments where mental health, I, I had the dip or the fog or the mm -hmm. cloud and in the middle of that season. I just knew like, hey, I, I need to let someone else know about it. I, I think the sickness of the secrecy around mental health sure. mm -hmm. right, yeah. is painful. It's, right. it, the lie of it is, well, I can't let anyone know. And I think at least for me, what I found is when I can reveal that and get people in my corner to help realize, hey, how I feel right now, this anxious feeling, mm -hmm. this feeling like mm -hmm. I'm going under, that that's not the reality. I need people around me that can help be buoys and life preservers in that moment. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the bottom line, all of us face those issues right. um, as, we, as we journey in life. And that's why it's so important that we have no issue about talking about it and, right. and, and being able to engage with each other. And why is it so important that, that leaders, especially, I think, ministry leaders, uh, pastors, um, uh, communicate and, and invest in these kinds of, you know, empowering, encouraging relationships? Yeah, you know... Uh Truthfully, for me, it all began in my relationship with Britt. I remember uh, we had actually been married for about six years, and I hadn't faced anxiety in a form that I needed to share it. And we went through a season of ministry that was so difficult that my anxiety became both emotional, relational, but it actually manifested physically. And it became one of those things I couldn't hide. What I learned through the experience of sharing with my wife my struggle was I had access to a lot more strength. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the reason it's important for us as leaders, whether you're a leader in a ministry environment or any sector professionally, to share about mental health is because the people around us and under us and under our leadership are going through that. Yeah. And I think what they can begin to see is the strength that we have in a lot of other venues and a lot, a lot of other avenues and begin to think, oh, something must be wrong with them mm-hmm. if they struggle with mental health. And so I, I guess what we found is not only strength by sharing it for ourselves, but then strength with others by going, hey, if you're struggling mm-hmm. with anxiety or mental health issues, you need to know there's not something wrong with you. This is part of the human brokenness and experience that we have. But I do believe there's healing in community and there's healing in knowing that you're just not alone. Yeah. yeah I think it's crazy, you know, especially as you think about marriages and life in general, sometimes, you know, you get with somebody, you start a life partner, but then as life happens, like you said, things change. How mm-hmm. was it like for you, Brittany, when that conversation first started coming up in your marriage with him? How did you approach that? It was crazy because I felt so hopeless and helpless for myself because I'm not wired that way. I've never faced anything like that. Um, but I also grew up in a family where you didn't talk about your emotions and your feelings, so mm. I'm a stuffer. Um, and when James was talking a while ago, we used this phrase, if if you won't reveal it, God can't heal it. Yeah. And so it wasn't just ad- admitting to what you're processing and what you're brain is going through. It's just going, I want I want freedom in this situation. I want God to insert himself into it. But in order for me to allow him to do that, I have to open up to people around me and I'm going to start with the person I trust the most. And so once I grasp that, I don't have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I don't have right. the power to fix it, right. but I can encourage him. I can pray for him. I can push him when he needs to be pushed. And then I can back off when he needs me to back off and just loving him where he was at. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of it is whenever you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friendship or you're in a, a partnership or you're married to that person, it's you you take them at the top of the game or the bottom of their rope, mm-hmm. no matter where they're at, and you pull them up and you believe the best in the situation. And so I learned a lot in that season of going, who are the people that are in our inner circle that know us, that can know us, but not hold Um, a grudge against us because when you're in a pastoral position, most of the time people think you're at a higher level so you you can't have those struggles. Like you don't need to have those issues or those problems, Um, but you're human. Mm -hmm. And the world we live in is chaos. And if you're constantly around chaos, then you need somebody that's going to come and believe in you and pour into you. And so I knew that I didn't need to fix him. I just need to love him and encourage him and then just speak the word over him. And a lot of times it was behind closed doors. I would just pray for him and he didn't even know I was praying for him. Yeah. Um, I can even remember before I would go up to preach, this is a season where we were lead pastor of a church. And before I would walk onto the stage, I'd be looking at Brett. And, you know, they're playing the last song. Like this right. is, a dun, 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 dun. you know, that probably wasn't the song, but <laughs> they're like, playing. Like break every chain, maybe. <laughs> okay. they're, they're playing the songs, and I'm looking at her behind the scene, and I'm going, "I can't do it. Mm. I can't do it today. I can't preach." I'm tears from her. She's like, "You are gifted by God. You yeah. are called by right. Him to do this. You're going right. to walk in your purpose." Yeah. I, I want to say just a couple of things about yeah. the post, if I can. One. Um, I think it's important for us to share appropriately about mental health. Yeah, and, sure. and for me, um, if, if you look at the tag on the, on the post, this is November 8th. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people didn't see the November 8th, and they reached out that day, which was very kind of them. Right. It was a good day for me, so it's fine. Um, and, and I appreciated that. It, it was fun, to again, to see the amount of communal mm-hmm. support. Sure. But I do think there's a difference in the mess and a message. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the yep. separation is three letters, age. H. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's important in mental health that we appropriately share at appropriate levels. So I would encourage people in leadership positions to say, find people mm-hmm. in your corner that are close enough that they won't use the things you share against you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Be able to share that. 
It is messy, Mm -hmm. but then give it some age, give it some time. The difference in a mess and a message is just a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. And so for us, what we found is let's share, connect with people through weaknesses and struggles, but share our strengths to empower others to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's so and cool. how's it been, Brittany, for your leadership, right? Like you've been going through this journey with James as your guys as a marriage, but in all the different leadership contexts, mm-hmm. how have you um, kind of embraced this message of being vulnerable, being real with, with all the different pieces? You know, I think I had to um, recognize what does it look like for me to be real? If mm-hmm. if I'm not struggling with anxiety and depression, then how? what am I being real with? And the truth is, it's not that I don't struggle with it. I just do it a different way. So if, yes. if I'm vacuuming the house five times a day, I'm mentally working through something. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking people on the journey and realizing that I'm not perfect and neither are you, but God has redeemed me, He's renewed me, and He's restored me. And as long as we continue to go, hey, God, to God be the glory, we're going to get through this and not let our mess get messy, mm-hmm. but let our mess turn into a message, then we help other people along the journey yeah. as we're navigating it and walking through it and and talking about it. A lot of it is just through conversation. I think what we found even in our relationship, dating, marriage, mm-hmm. and then professionally, and we're working with other people is when you share sickness, it often prevents sharing sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as, with mental health, mm-hmm. if we can begin to be vulnerable about that and say, hey, I'm going through something... What we see as a byproduct in sin is most often rooted in just a sickness, whether it was a need for approval or insecurity or is anxiousness or numbing something. If we can begin to go a little bit deeper and go, hold on, I got something in me that feels broken right now. How do I repair this thing? And so for me, what I've tried to do is elevate. When I I see the mental health, when I'm understanding Mm -hmm. the season I'm in, share with people around me. So this was an encouraging text. It was also an accountable text. It was also people going, hey, this is a season of weakness for me. Mm -hmm. I know how the enemy likes to work, right? If he's here to steal, kill, and destroy, and he sees me weak in this season, he's thinking it's prime time. But what he doesn't know is I got an army of people around me praying for me and encouraging me. I like to do, I like to go, how's your head? How's your heart? And how's your spirit? Mm -hmm. Because your heart and your spirit could be great, but sometimes a lot of it, it's in your head. And so it's it's going, if I can tell that James is tense about something, Mm -hmm. or I feel like he's walking through something, I don't go... Are you feeling anxious? Yeah. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> but but that's I? true. Yeah. So much, there's so much power in those words. Right. And so I'll be like, hey, babe, how's your head today? Yeah. How's your heart? Yeah. How's your soul? That's and then it, wow. I give him time to answer. And then we can move the ball forward in whatever we're going. And he'll vice versa do it to me. And we started kind of doing it with our kids. And, well, Grayson's five. So <laughs> he's like, how's my head? Chicken nuggets. Yeah. Chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you both uh, your thoughts on this. You know, there was a Hillsong documentary uh, released not too long ago, which uncovers a lot of issues, mm-hmm. obviously, with uh, within the church community. And, and given the enormous, um, you know, issues surrounding all of the conversation, I mean, everything uh, about how churches should be run, in your opinion, mm-hmm. uh, what does the future really think about it? What does the future of ministry really look like? I'll, I'll take a step at it first uh, because of the two of us, uh, one of us has not seen the documentary. That's me. Okay. Um, and, and part of the reason why uh, w- was I'm not unaware of the situations that are facing Hillsong. And I, I think if we're all quite honest, these are not new challenges yeah. facing the church. Right. No. Uh, for me, what I felt in this situation was so much heartbreak. Mm. Uh, I, be- I began to think about it just a little bit differently. I began to think about the children that are involved and mm-hmm. how these things are impacting them and transitions and these people moving, all of these things. 
So I, I guess on, on a granular scale, as far as the church, I think we got to just get back to realizing people are people yeah. Yeah. and understanding that some of the brokenness, it, it is interesting as you dive into some of this story, it, it is connected to even how we talk about mental health. Sure. In a season of COVID, there's heightened things going on. And I, I think if we can help leaders understand how to manage and lead themselves first and lead themselves best they will be a better version of a leader in the yeah. long run. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's key. That's my opinion without seeing the documentary, but you watched it. We got a subscription yeah. to Discovery Plus. You're the I, expert right. on that. I did cancel it before it actually charged us, so okay. it was fine. Yes. It would have been my first free week trial. I the same thing, seven-day <laughs> yeah. free trial, yeah. watch it all, then done. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes – yeah. My, my thoughts on the documentary is, is neither here nor there. I think – you give anybody an opportunity or a TV platform, they're going to, you know, right. put their opinion out there. Right. Um, but when it comes to specifically church leaders and and things that are being brushed under the rug, James one time bought me a, um, a Roomba vacuum cleaner, mm. and I made the mistake of watching it vacuum one time, and it didn't vacuum correctly. It missed a lot of spots, but it was nice and shiny, and it was expensive. Mm. And so I enjoyed it because I was like, oh, I feel like I have status because I have a Roomba, but it's not going to vacuum like I do. I think when we have leaders, leaders that um, have their they're nice and shiny and have it all put wow. together, mm-hmm. that if they don't have somebody watching them to make sure that they're vacuuming correctly wow. yeah. and turning their head from it, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, I think you just need people in your life that that know you and can encourage you and call you out on it. You don't have to take the platforms from somebody um, if they're willing to have accountability. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that attracted us to SEU was the leadership here, the accountability, mm-hmm. yeah. the integrity that you held um, in your positions. It's breathtaking. It's a breath of fresh air. And I think in this generation, we lack vulnerability mm-hmm. and access to people. And whenever I put a wall up and I say, hey, don't come here, like you can only see me from this, then you don't really see up close and you're getting away with more things behind the scenes because you don't have anybody actually watching what you're doing um, and to call you out on it. And so... And I just don't think accountability can be systematic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really feel like what we've watched, and this is coming from a guy only one year removed from local church ministry. So, and I love it because we're at a university who bleeds for the local church. Right. So I still feel like I'm highly connected, you know? So we... The church, I think we have to stop outsourcing accountability. Exactly. Yeah. I'm as accountable yeah. as I want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, like, I have a, a list in my phone, a board of directors, a chief encouragement officer, a chief mm. integrity officer, yeah. a chief theology officer. All these are in my phone, but I'm only as accountable as I make myself be to them. Mm-hmm. I can tell you this is my system for accountability, yeah. but it's only as good as my worst day. And it's only as bad as my best day. Yeah. Right. So for me, I, I really, when we talk about local church, I think we have to continue to do for sin what we've done around sickness, oh. which is stop idolizing or demonizing. Mm-hmm. Let's not idolize people beyond the right. potential to sin. So let's give them healthy boundaries and structures. Like, okay, yes, you are holy. So is this person, but you both have the potential to be very sinful. So let's create healthy boundaries and accountability that you desire. In the same way, stop demonizing people when they fall. Mm -hmm. When when I see it, I go, man, that is a product of what? Brokenness. Mm -hmm. Brokenness in the relationship with God, brokenness in the relationship with others. So my heart is one of grace, Mm -hmm. of compassion, um, but also of going, if we're going to do it differently and regain the trust of this generation... It is going to start 
with intentional accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to be going, hey, what, what do I know? I know my places. I have to reveal those parts of my heart and go, here's every corridor. Mm-hmm. Now you need to know this about me. I, I talked to a friend about accountability one day, and, and we were just going back and forth about it. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know I'm being most accountable when I tell you the thing that I don't want to tell you the most. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's That's and what I love about th- that whole message is I think it's easy in these situations for like mega church, high impact, high growth organizations to become the punching bag, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like, oh, well, you yeah. know, if, if only Hillsong hadn't blown up so big, they'd be fine. But how much does that let the person off the hook, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The idea we're letting these guys off the hook for character things where at the end of the day, if they had accountability, if they had the character, all that, we wouldn't be having a documentary yeah. right yeah. now. Hillsong yeah. would still be at the front and center. And so that's why it's so important to not it not throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. right? Like high impact churches and high impact ministries are important for the yes. future of, of the church, future of the ministry of God and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's how we set up and how we manage and how do we have great leaders in those situations. Yeah. I love that you said that about smaller churches. What is the benefit or strength of smaller churches? We led in a very small rural town. Mm-hmm. The benefit is this. Everybody knows where you shop, you right. get your oil changed, <laughs> yeah. where you go to the park. Okay. Right. So the reality is this. The size of my church didn't keep me from sinning. Mm. Hmm. My strength of accountability. Yep. Everybody, listen, I guarantee you at this table, we've all sped at least once in a car. But I guarantee you, none of us four have seen red and blue lights behind us and hit the gas. Right. right. We wouldn't be sitting here. No. We all live better when somebody's <laughs> tipped, watching. Like, tipped, it, tipped it a couple of times. <laughs> so, so with that, I agree. I pray that every church grows. Mm-hmm. And I pray along with that, every leader's decision yeah. and intentionality around the kill to be grows because yeah. we go, hey. I've been given much, yeah. so much is required. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, prior to coming to uh, Southeastern, you both served in a variety of pastoral ro- roles across the nation, um, and recently coming from Bayside out of uh, Sacramento. Tell us how leadership experiences have really shaped who you are. Yeah. Uh, I think context has been so important for us. It's interesting. You. You have those seasons of life where you look back and you're able to go, oh, that's why we were at this place in that season. Mm -hmm. I think coming to SEU has been one of the most clarifying full circle moments of our lives where we look back and we go, oh, 2012 to 2014, that prepared us for today. Right. 2016 to 2019, that is why we went through that. So I think each season had its opportunities to learn. I look back and go, each shaping season was so beneficial humbly, I say, because of the posture we took, that in every season we went in, not as the experts, but just learning. Mm -hmm. Going, hey, we we don't know the most, so let's surround ourselves with people who can help mentor us, coach us. So I think each of those seasons for us, whether it was the area of communication, of leadership, of finances, um, of systems and uh, groups and mobilization of volunteers, Mm -hmm. each season provided a different system. It also provided great relationships. It's very interesting that, you know, now we're on the East Coast. So yeah. I, I have to figure out which time zone our friends are in before I call. Right. So it'd be like 10 <laughs> o'clock and I'm thinking everybody's awake. Some people are still getting up on the West Coast. Exactly. So relationships are key. We always would say you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And so even the leaders that we've been around, we always would try to surround ourselves with people that we wanted to emulate 
in our own lives. And you can't always pick, like, you know, the best leaders to be around if, I mean, we did at SEU, actually. Uh, But even the ones that are around that you see things that you don't necessarily like, you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. I, I think about like parenting my boys, how mm-hmm. we parent. There's things that we do that I, I find myself doing that my mom did. And I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. But then there's also an awareness of things that she did that I would like to do differently, but it doesn't discredit her for her role in my life. Yeah. Um, and so just trying to soak up every moment that we can with the leaders that we've been around in different seasons and going, I love how they do that. That's great. I don't understand why they did that. Let's ask a question. Or I don't like that at all. Mm. And I definitely know that's not the leader I want to be. It doesn't make them bad. It just means that's not who God's wired me to be. And I think one of the cool things about your guys' leadership in particular and what's been really fun watching um, you guys lead here on campus and with our communities, how you guys do it together as a family, Mm. right? Like everything is, it's teamwork, team business, even though you guys have two incredible positions you're running in your own lanes, but the way you even bring your boys in and stuff, how has that been? How have you grown that as part of who your your leadership style is? Uh, well, I'm going to kick it to the MVP of that in two seconds, but it's funny following up from your question. It all started with a conversation with a guy named Jeremy Johnson. Uh-huh. I had made a decision that I was never going to be a dad, and I, I decided to share that openly during a staff retreat. And Jeremy said after the retreat, what are you talking about? I was like, you know, you got to choose. You're going to be a great pastor or a great dad. I guess I got to be a great pastor, you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. He's like, no. And I was like, well, my goal in life would be to be a great husband, then a great father, then a great pastor. He said, okay, just prioritize it that way. And so it was one of the first experiences that I had with somebody I really respect as a leader that was like, you can do both. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you don't have to sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but the truth of the nuts and bolts of how that works is that Britt works tirelessly to parent three men in our house. <laughs> and she makes it a priority. So I, I know one of the things that she does that's so beneficial for me is she will help remind me. Uh, this is how she encouraged me. She go, hey, you're such a great dad. Uh, you know what would be really great is if you played 2K with the boys for an hour. Now, I know what she's saying. She's saying you need to spend time with the boys right now. But she did so in a way that mm-hmm. aspirationally labeled me sure, as a great dad. Sure, yeah. right. But she intentionally does this with our mm-hmm. schedule. And in every season that we've walked in, I think in the very first couple of interviews, she's always said, hey, we do this as a family. Right. We need to know that wherever we go, our boys are welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the university has actually provided that in a way that no other environment ever has. Our boys think they go to college here. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Bryson's like, me and my... 10,000 friends on campus. (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting because I I look at the trajectory of most people in ministry and their children and what happens. And I, my dad was in ministry. James grew up with pastors as his family. And so I never want our kids to feel like we chose a career path or ministry over them. So we just invite them to be a part of the journey. When we were making a decision to come to SEU, we let Braxton decide. Like Mm -hmm. we not, you know, like not literally like this is the deciding (laughs) factor. Um, But I also know God speaks to them in a different in their yes. own little ways yeah. and so I want to start as their parents like letting them speak on those things um, and letting them be a part of the journey because at the end of the day we're gonna go back to our Chateau de Buttercup <laughs> and it's gonna be us four in that house yeah. and we're a family and if we're solid then what we do as a family will grow and mm-hmm. be larger right. but I also want them to feel like they have a place yeah. Yeah. so if Braxton wants to rap to three students on El Prado, we're going to practice the rap and you know, <laughs> yeah. just 
letting them feel like they have a purpose and that it's not just mom or dad, but they just, they're equally as uh, responsible for the ministry on campus as we are, uh, because God's working through all of us, not just James and I. And so we invite them to be a part of that journey and they just like to ride the golf cart. So (laughs) and we just decided we're like, Hey, let's, let's live with a funeral mentality. Mm. The funeral mentality is this, you know, what one to 10% of the people that I pastor in my lifetime will show up to my funeral and weep. The people who weep most of my funeral should get the best of me while I'm alive. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And that's my wife and kids. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Wow. Yep. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about mentorship. Through your mentorship, you get to lead uh, both of you, all of our amazing students that God sends our way as they uh, discover and develop mm-hmm. their design. Divine design. The God mm-hmm. has Come on. created and, and wired them. And of course, college is one of those times where. You know, you build lifelong friendships and, and relationships. You establish uh, friends, and that'll be for forever. How how can students take advantage of really connecting and getting involved during their college experience in a way that relationally they're going to be able to grow in their faith? It's so good. I, I think culture hands us uh, an inaccurate playbook for choosing friends. Mm. And, and, you know, I don't want to be that guy like culture, you know. But, but let's be honest. Here's the playbook that's handed to us from the time we're kids. Oh, you like that toy? I like that toy. We're friends. Yeah. Oh, you like this sport? I like that sport. We're friends. And so we end up choosing friends based on the appreciation of something else, not really the appreciation of each other's gifting or design mm-hmm. or dedication to each other's purpose. And so I think because it has an inaccurate playbook, we end up with friendships that don't fit our long-term future. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we discovered over this last year, we, we went back to school this year. We're, we're taking notes on these students. You know, we're not just pastoring any college students. God has gifted us here to this place. And so we're trying to really dive in. And one of the things that we found is it's intentional for us to help students select friends in a godly way. Yeah. yeah. And what is it like to select a godly friendship? I need somebody who's more committed to my future than just our friendship. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just about what we like or what we have common ground on, because commonality becomes comparison when it's unleashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can't just have that, because then it just becomes competition. What I need is somebody who's going, hey, you said you want to do this in life. Yeah. If you're doing that, you can't do this thing. Yeah. We need people that are dedicated to each other's future. It's one of the staple things that we're going after this year at SEU is helping students select friendships. It's not just godly friends. You have godly friends that you didn't select through a godly friendship, and it doesn't help. Right. We mm-hmm. need to help set up parameters and a framework for friendship that lasts a lifetime. One of my favorite things that we did in the fall was we did speed friending where yes, we yes. like set up tables in yeah. Bush Chapel and you just had like five seconds and you had questions. Yeah. And it helped people that like freshmen coming on campus mm-hmm. didn't know anybody or even transfer yeah. students to just like have a face with a name yeah. and like, oh, I kind of feel like we would jive. And, yeah, I met you know. my wife friend. F- speed friending on campus. Well, there you yeah. go. Okay. The first time well, right here. Yeah. That, so when, when we do it this yeah. fall, we're inviting the Steiners and be like, yes. you could. You could. You could. Yeah, and the babies right there. Um, yeah. Come on. <laughs> but I loved it because we, we took all the awkwardness out of it and just were like, hey, have fun. Mm-hmm. And friendships should be fun and they should be fulfilling. Yeah. And if they're not fun and they're not fulfilling, then it's not the right friend for you. And yeah. it's okay teaching some of these students like it's okay to walk away yep. from a friendship if it's not bringing you life, if mm-hmm. it's just draining you. Yep. Um, but also people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime and going, is this friend in my life for a reason? 
Are they in it for a season or is this a lifetime friend? And recognizing what the difference in those three look like and knowing which buckets you're filling with the friendships you're having. And um, it's so fun. There's I, I won't name them, but there was a transfer student and a, um, a freshman that came in. And I had followed both of them on Instagram, and I knew they weren't going to have friends. So day one, I introduce them. Wait, how did friends. she know they weren't going to have friends just from looking at their Instagram? Well, because she was oh. a trainer. No, 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 no. She made Bixel look like she savage. <laughs> you know who you oh, are. I know that odd. you will have friends. Um, but they had some similarities. And so okay. I was like, hey, you gals should just get coffee. Now yeah. they're like best of friends, not Love saying it. I'm like the friendship matchmaker or whatever. A little bit. But I think l- you can learn so much about sure. people Absolutely. through what they do, their interest mm-hmm. and all of those things and then help connect them um, yeah. and watch God do some pretty cool things in their life. Love it. And so then next phase, right, after, and a lot of them are graduating, you guys have now experienced this first round. How can they take these networks, these connections, and really invest in them and keep them going as they enter their careers and they kind of step out of this pressure cooker of friendship, if if I will? Yeah, I think if there's a gift, if we can use that terminology that COVID gave us, it's that relationships, communication, and friendships are not bound to -to face-to-face interactions. Mm -hmm. And I think this generation is actually developing this and learning this at a a faster pace than we're even caught up to yet. They have friends that they talk to that they've never said audible words to. And so I think it's really just helping go and like, hey, what are some biblical principles you can put in place to continue to support each other? So it's taking the things they already do through technology Mm -hmm. and then just giving it a couple of biblical frameworks to go, hey, here's a couple of principles. You know, when's the last time you paused and prayed for your friend? When's the last time you encouraged your friend? Hey, encouragement is never little to the person who's receiving it. Yeah. So make sure you reach out and encourage somebody today. So what we've really tried to do as students exit is say, hey, some of these friends, yes, you know, you, you do. You need to say farewell to. But there's some of these that are lifelong relationships that yeah. you built at SEU that could literally go with you the rest of your life. Yeah. Yes. And we encourage them, hey, start a group chat now. Mm-hmm. And then that way, once you're gone, like we have one student that just got a youth pastor job and he put in the group chat, full-time youth pastor now, and they got to celebrate with him. But it was yeah. also the people that were praying for him as yeah. he was trying to figure out what his next step were. Um, and so I'm like, start the group chat now. And then if it goes quiet for a week, who's going to be the first person to post something encouraging? Yeah. Um, just to remind them, hey, we're here. Like, you don't have to talk to me every day. I get overwhelmed with people that text me every day. Yeah. That overwhelms yeah. me. But some people... State Love that. That's but then some people, yeah. you just need like, hey, I thought about you this morning, just yep. wanted you to know. And that does it for them. So it's been cool to just kind of watch them move from student to like the business world mm-hmm. or ministry. Um, some of them starting a family. We were at a wedding and watching them celebrate with each other and not feel envious. James says all the time, if God shows up for my neighbor, then that means he's in the neighborhood. And yeah. so yeah. don't be discouraged because he's in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it just reminds them, hey, God's here. He's present. Love it. That's good. Uh, you know, how fun is it to uh, and, and be in an environment like we all get to be in uh, every day that integrates faith? And, and, you know, we're talking about a faith that, you know, I love what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, a faith that's uh, always on guard, mm-hmm. stands firm in the faith, a, a faith that's strong, a faith that's courageous, a faith... You know, that does everything with love um, and experiences love. And then you get to integrate that with learning. Yeah. Uh, you get wisdom and knowledge and experience poured into their lives, which only solidifies the calling that they're discovering that God has placed upon them to serve. And then and then just to do everyday life with them. Yeah. I mean, that's what we get to do, integrate. How fun is that? It's for both so of fun. Them to... There's nothing like it. I mean, I, I tell 
people who are checking out the university, I say, come live four years like some won't so you can live the rest of your life like others can't. I really believe here, not only do you get a degree uh, that you're going to walk away with whatever you thought you were majoring in, but I believe you're going to walk away with a framework for your life. I I believe you're going to walk away going, I know I'm designed by God. I I was recently telling some students just on campus yesterday, they were checking out our university. So let me tell you, what I love about this place is it is removing the obstacle you'll face when you're in your mid-30s or early 40s. Mm. Like, well, what's that? I said, well, you've probably heard in church, your calling is what you're made to do. Your career is what you're paid to do. My hope is that this university eliminates that from any sermon in the next 10 years. Mm. They said, what do you mean? I said, because I believe that if you can discover your divine design and how you're called by God now, you can pick the career. You can be paid to do. Yeah. For what you were made to do, yeah. right? That's the beauty of this yeah. place. Yeah. You don't have to be no. rewired at thirty-five. No. Yeah. You can really have some intentional conversations with God. Go. This is what I would. This is right. it. Right. This is that. Not just what makes money. Yeah. Not just what will right. fulfill what my parents want me to do. Not just what I desire to dream. What was the God dream for my life? Yeah. yeah. That's the beauty of this place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a little excited about it. No, it's, I just, see. it's passionate. It's so funny. Whenever I was twenty or twenty-one, I can't remember. James had called me on the phone and he was like, "Hey, babe." What do you want to do with your life? And I was in Louisiana. He's in Alabama. And I said, I just want to hear people's story, and I want to love them, and I want to watch it happen. And he goes, uh, but like for a job. What do you want oh, to yeah, do yeah, for yeah, like yeah. a job? It's like, like, no, I was, I was like, being real practical yeah. there. So I, I was that like, wasn't. Uh, I was like, like, hmm, like, what's me, the hourly rate on that one? <laughs> let, me, let me call you back. And so I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and I called him back, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. And about three months ago, I, I went home, and I told him, I said, hey, remember when you told me? That wasn't a job. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know, big boy, that I'm living that job now. It's yeah. what I get paid to do, basically, yeah. is just love on students, listen to their dreams, and then map it out and go, how how can we make this happen? What is God speaking to you? Yeah. And how can we bring clear right. direction to this? Um, and watching the light bulb, as per se, go off whenever they realize that they're chosen by God to walk out this divine design mm-hmm. and all they have to do is say yes. My favorite line to give them is, SU is my best yes yet. Come yeah. Second to like, you know, saying oh, yeah, yes to amen. Jesus right. and to James. Right, 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 right. But in, in ministry, it yeah. has been my best yes yet yeah. because I have seen God do the supernatural over and over again. And so even when you don't understand it, I tell them all the time, just say yes, watch God bless your yes, yes. and then see what happens. Yep. And it's been so fun to just see them I guess grow their wings and fly. It's kind of hard though because I miss some of those little, right, te- right. Like, little turkeys. Goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you put so much investment into them and then they're gone. I know. And they're just out out the nest. You're yeah. like, remember me one day. <laughs> well, it gets really weird after four years of that, right? Like it's right. like it's like nuts, but it's it's good. It's part of the fun. I mean, that's why you do higher ed. That's, that's why right. we work here. Yeah. I mean, this is a, to be part of that time of life. So yeah, it's it's an amazing opportunity and 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 again, as we talked earlier. Uh, we are an extension of the church, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we we know the church is a perpetuation of who Jesus is, and and we are developing and growing. Uh, it's it's life stewardship, and you need education in yeah. your life yes. to yeah. really be a good steward of you know what God wants for you. So. I feel like that's what we are, and that's why it's so important that we are a university that postures ourselves to serve the local church, yep. uh, to make an impact, to make a difference, and and make sure that we teach our students to love 
the local church yeah. because yeah. they are going to serve the church. They're yeah. going to serve Jesus. They're going to serve in a way that has impact. And uh, and that's part of what we get to do. So yeah. it's exciting. Well, we're going to move into the most fun part of uh, the podcast. Yep. We always close out with a fire round. Oh, let's go. Uh, ask fire a few round. quick Wait, questions. Wait, is that we're getting fired round? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 Wait, hold on. This is a really right. weird we're way right. to do this, guys. You want to record it's this? It's so fun, no. though. It's great content. It's great content. No, you're, <laughs> Put it right out. You're, you're, you're good kidding. there. This is, uh, we're going to ask you a few quick questions. Okay, yep. and you got to answer with your gut. You know, just okay. uh, want to grab some good, practical, and applicable pieces of advice from your experiences for everybody yep. listening in. So got about three or four questions. So, uh, Michael, you can start. Fire away. All right. So right off the bat, and this is for both of you guys, so right right there, what advice, if you could right now go give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? Hmm. And you can't use what you used Put $10,000 into Bitcoin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I may have done the math at some point. No. No. <laughs> uh, my real practical advice, I think, would be this. Um, it's not as good as you think it is. It's not as bad as you think it is. And it's all going to change anyway, so just breathe. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. I think that would be mine. I, ditto. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I think mine would probably be um, just care less. Like, care mm. less about what people think and just trust God. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Love it. How do you build uh, self-confidence as a leader? Oh, that's good. That's really good, and man, I, maybe it's the 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 challenger on the enneagram. Mm-hmm. I would go. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we need self confidence. I, I I know there there's a healthy level of it. I would say get really honest, trustworthy voices in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's areas where I go like, man, there were seasons in my life my self-confidence was way too high. Mm-hmm. There's other seasons that was way too low. The gift of God to my life, the grace of God in my life was to have the right people around me to call out whatever season I was in. Yeah. So I'd say the best way to build godly self-confidence is get the right voices in your corner yeah. and listen. That, that would be mine. I think tag teaming on that is the platform that you're giving for the moment is the one that your character can handle. And so don't strive to build confidence too quickly or try to reach something bigger than where you're at right now because God wants to teach you something to get you there so your character can withstand it. And so I think it starts confidence and character go hand in hand. If I'm not feeling confident, then I need to look and go, is there a character shift? Like yeah. what is God want yeah. to, what, what is God trying to do in me so he can do something cool through me? And so I just want to learn the lesson as fast as possible. And sometimes I try to forget the details, but <laughs> you know, um, learn the lesson and, and figure out uh, what's God saying to me so I can build that godly confidence and work it out in my character. And I, I definitely would have had a lot more confidence in my life if I had spent the time to discover my divine design before trying to accomplish what I thought God wanted for me. Hmm. Right. I, th- I, th- I know I've went to it so many times this podcast, but I think for every leader, I don't care if you're 75 mm-hmm. years old listening to this today, if you will just take a season of your life, a couple moments a day, yeah. and discover your divine design. What has God wired you to do? Yeah. Some of my lack of self-confidence was trying to figure out what everybody else wanted me to do right. or, or looking at what other people were doing. That's right. how they were designed. Anyways. I love good. it. A little extra love answer it. on the fire round. No, it's like good. It. It's like like it. That's why it's the fire round. Kim, pull it out from there. Double um, shot. Last question. Take us home right there. What would you guys say is the keys to like family work-life balance? You want to go first? 
Keys to family work-life balance. Um, one, our children are, I say this all the time, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the podcast, but uh, children mm-hmm. are a product of our passion. And so mm-hmm. if this isn't right, the rest won't be right. Yeah. And if if this isn't right, this isn't right. And yeah. so you got to go, is my relationship with God right? Is my relationship with my husband right? And then my relationship with my family can be right. right. Um, and just kind of having those checkpoints and recognizing that although our children are only eight and five, they have a lot to say. God is speaking to them. So listen and have discernment, um, but then invite them along on the process mm. and the journey. I would say uh, change what you measure and balance the years, not the days. Yeah. If I balance every day, I end up super defeated. So balance the years. Take your perspective and go. The flexibility is there may be a season where I'm really tied in on work. There may be you know, five, six days where it's like we're, we're not doing all the fun family stuff. Yeah. But then we're intentionally knowing after these five, six, we're going to take two days. You know? So really taking and say, instead of worrying about the days, let's worry about the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Change the measurement. Realize that every day counts, but don't count it by every day. So. Yeah, love it, and I love how you you do integrate your your kids, your boys, into every aspect of this university communities mm-hmm. from faith to I mean, they participate in services oh, yeah. and they you know it's just so neat to see that and yeah. and I think that's a great balance because you include them in every aspect of your life. I you was I, I told yeah. Doctor Engel we went to dinner the other night and we were getting ready for dinner. It was the first time the boys had gone with us to dinner with the Ingles yeah. and we're getting ready to go. And he's like, who are we going to dinner with? And I said, the president, and he goes, and you're wearing that. <laughs> I, said, I said, buddy, it's fine. He goes, dad, you don't go to dinner with the president and look like this. <laughs> so is the older or the younger? This is, this Braxton is the for, older one. For yeah. sure. For sure. That's how the oldest no, is. My, oh. Grayson would have wanted to wear a Spider-Man costume. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why are they the same? My oldest is three and she's already doing it's that. So like, it's funny. just like, it's so good. That's Great. Well, I, I actually got one more question, and it's actually for you. Who's your favorite workout partner? Oh, hands down, <laughs> unequivocally, <laughs> of all time, not just last year, my favorite workout partner is the one and only President Dr. Kent Engel. <laughs> yep. Hands down. Yep. Bigger biceps every day. That's what we say. Oh, we strive for that. You know, some people have calves. He has tiny cows. Right. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, well, anyway, it's important, you know, we've got to be disciplined. It is. Yeah, of course it That's is. That's how we're going. Uh, oh. Sweet Jesus. All right. Are we going to wrap us out? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, hey, on that it's tiny James, cows. Brittany, it's been great to have you on our on our uh, podcast. And this will be uh this won't be the only time. So okay. you're gonna be be on many, many times. We always enjoy being able to hang out and have conversation and just grateful for what you both do in in leadership on this campus. Um I'm telling you this past year. Uh, you talk about a spirit of revival, a mm-hmm. spirit of renewal. I mean, God's presence is here in a powerful way, and uh, it's a direct result of you being faithful and obedient to God's call on both mm-hmm. of your lives and how you lead and empower people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. It's not um, – what I love about you, it's both – it's not about the platform. It's about the people and how you invest. And when, when I'm walking on the campus around with you uh, and and the students, they how they come up and hey, Pastor James, Brittany, you know, and it's just they just want to connect, and and that's a testament to your leadership. And so we're grateful that you're here and and uh, know that man, even greater things are ahead. Hey, I I would 
miss the opportunity if I didn't just say, hey, our greatest joy and the gift of the season has just to be, be under your leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so while I am so honored and thankful for your words, I also go, our position is just stay under the oil. Yeah, The oil is always runs from the head down. And we have never been a part of an organization or a leader with this much trust, um, relational equity, empowerment. Yeah. Um, it, it has truly been a season for us where while we're working, we feel like we're actually worshiping. And so thank you for all that you've allowed us to be a part of. Thank you. Appreciate that. If you want to stay up to date with James and Brittany, you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter and Twitter. Anything, any other place they can, you have a TikTok? You have uh... No, I, I watch TikTok. <laughs> okay. I watch TikTok. the talk. Okay. I don't really post. I don't but know I need to. Michael's no, going to get me no, posting. I'm going to get you content. We're going to get you going. You'll have stuff on there. For both, I think it's the same, for both Instagram and Twitter, right? Yes. So yep. it's at James Braxton. Which is my first and my middle name. Middle name. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then it's at Brit. M. Powell, right? Correct. Yes. Brit M. Powell. We have the same last name, just different Instagram handles. Okay. Some people just cannot understand that. They get that, that confusion, don't they? They, they do. Confused. They think we're the Braxtons, <laughs> no. which means that my firstborn child is Braxton Braxton. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'd be mad about that, no, actually. <laughs> That is kind of cool. Yeah. You literally told the president he had baby cows for legs. He does. (laughs) Man, I tell you, he really moves that weight in the weight room. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Like, share, and subscribe. Right, share. If you're on YouTube, this is why you keep up with the framework leadership. Like, share, and subscribe. If that didn't get you to like, share, and subscribe, then you need to go watch a different channel. Yes. Because that that is just gold right there. And if you're on Instagram, you can check us out at Kent underscore Engel at Dr. Michael Steiner. If you're in Elon's Twitter, you can go to at Kent Engel, get some great leadership content yep. there. And also, if you love email, I don't, but if you do, you should go to KenEngel.com, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, because yes. it's got a great, it's got a ton of great leadership yes. content there. So check us out. Hey, thank you all so much for listening thank to you. Framework Leadership today. Take care, everybody. Take care.